Hi, you guys. Welcome to Share Your Screen. This is Kokomoko. And for those of you watching on YouTube, you might notice that Nikki is not here. He's actually sick this week. Um, so we weren't able to film together, but we still wanted to get an episode up for you guys. So that is why I'm coming to you here solo this week. There's so much going on in pop culture. Um, but one thing that I really wanted to talk about specifically on Share Your Screen is the identity crisis that is Victoria's Secret. I feel like Victoria's Secret just can't win lately, um, kind of their own doing. And so I want to get into like their background, kind of the height of them, um, where they really messed up, which I think was a long time coming. I feel like there was one specific moment in pop culture that I look back and I'm like, that was the moment that everything kind of shifted for them. I'm going to talk about that moment. Um, and then I just want to get into like the they're basically having a show and I think it comes out in late September. I swear when I first looked it up, it was supposed to come out September 15th and then I swear they moved it to September 26th or something. I could be wrong. I feel like they pushed it up. I could be wrong. Again, it's just so odd. Like why did they do a pink carpet event like a month before the show even comes out? That makes me feel like my premonition or my idea that maybe they push the date could be correct, but I'm not sure. I could be wrong. Anyways, um, we're going to get into all of that. I also just want to talk about like why I think they can kind of recover, like what I think they could do to come back from this. I don't think it's completely the end of the world for them. And so with all of that being said, there's so many different perspectives here. I feel like people have so many different thoughts. I do want to start by saying also that like you when I make videos like this, I never ever want any company to necessarily fail because there are thousands of employees who rely on that company to survive, to to work, to make money. Um, and so when you say like, oh, I hate this specific company, I hate this specific brand, um, I want them to burn, um, you also have to think about the people who rely on that brand and who are the lower level employees who are usually the ones who like have the worst end of the stick. They're the ones who have to deal with the hate comments. They're the ones who have to watch the videos like mine and then report back. So I do realize that there's more to it than just wanting a brand to succeed or fail. There's so many different layers here. I asked my Discord um, about Victoria's Secret and kind of what they thought. And I got so many great responses that I'll dive into. Um, that is the Discord for my podcast, Ahead of the Curve. Not this one, but Nikki and I have been wanting to make a Discord specifically for Share Your Screen where we can talk about like whatever we're filming for that week. We can talk about whatever the trending topics are from like a marketing perspective, maybe guests that you guys want to have on. So let me know if that's something that you guys would be interested in. So I started out by going into like the history of Victoria's Secret and I feel like it's something that people have been talking about a lot lately. But what I could find from research is that it was founded in 1977 by an American businessman named Roy Raymond. And interestingly enough, I think it kind of ended up being their Achilles heel. But the creator of Victoria's Secret, he wanted there to be a lingerie shop that men could go into and buy pieces for their wife. So it's kind of an embodiment of this thing that we hear people talk about, about like the male gaze. Like Victoria's Secret was not intended for women. It was intended for men wanting to buy clothes for women to kind of dress them up how they see them and what would make them excited to look at them. So again, I think it ends up being what Victoria's Secret's Achilles heel is. 
Now, some speculate that the name is a reference to Queen Victoria because when he originally started the store, he was obsessed with like the Victorian era and kind of like the undergarments that women would wear under these huge, beautiful dresses. He was obsessed with the UK and they even wanted the inside of stores to feel like you were in this kind of like underground UK um, boudoir like show or and like you can see that through um that kind of comes through their marketing they wanted it to be this like high fashion lingerie so it's kind of speculated as to like it could be a reference to both or that victoria's secret is literally a reference to like queen victoria and like her secret like what she's wearing underneath i guess they also what's funny is they had a headquarter i don't know i i tried to confirm this i heard it on a few podcasts I tried to confirm it just even on like the Victoria's Secret website or any history that they've specifically documented and I couldn't. So take this with a grain of salt, but that Victoria's Secrets had their headquarters in Ohio, but they actually came up with a non-existent address in London um, for whenever they were like sending out magazines or material so that they would not break the illusion that this was this like high fashion European brand because if you could see that the clothes were literally coming from Ohio, then they felt like it would devalue that European um, branding. Very fascinating. Now, they had their first show in 1995. I want to note that the founder, Roy Raymond, is not really the one that gets a lot of the pushback now. It's um, Lex Wexner. Um, He sold the business to... um, They're called L Brands. It's Lex Wexner. He owned a bunch of, like, clothing companies. He was kind of this, like mall savant like any store in the mall he had touched in some way um and they sold victoria's secret to them so roy raymond is now not really as involved the founder of it but um now they had their first fashion show in 1995 which the 90s were kind of the height of this like supermodel um fashion shows becoming this huge spectacle in pop culture Um, and I even, I was in Paris this summer and I went to a museum with my boyfriend because he loves making clothes and it was a fashion museum and it was specifically all about like the year 1997 and how all of these huge fashion brands had these like, um, you know, industry changing fashion shows in the nineties. And so Victoria's Secret as well launched their first show in 1995. Now, the show was run by their chief marketing officer of the parent company, L Brands, and his name was his name was Ed Razik. We're going to come back to him a lot because he is so intertwined in the Victoria's Secret image. It's fascinating because he's a huge part of why they succeeded, but he also seems to be a huge part of why they failed. And so he became a huge powerful figure in the modeling industry was responsible for picking the models in the shows and if you go back and watch those videos that show like Gigi Hadid auditioning for Victoria's Secret and getting chosen Ed Razik is the guy at the table who's like what are you doing on October 9th and 10th well do you want to walk in our show like he was that guy um and so he was huge huge in the modeling world Um, A lot of people kind of wanted to impress him. He was responsible for launching careers of models like Giselle, Tyra Banks, and Heidi Klum. Now, the idea specifically of the Victoria's Secret quote-unquote angel originated in 1997, and it was during a print campaign that featured models like Tyra Banks, and the models were trying to sell this like 
quote unquote fantasy bra and they had these big wings on them in the advertisement and so they saw how popular this campaign was and so at the upcoming runway show they were like okay let's put these girls in actual wings as like a nod to that successful campaign and then it became this like coveted position now where every year models were working with Victoria's Secret and vying for a chance to wear the wings at the show and become a part of essentially that Victoria's Secret lore. I think what I was always confused with growing up is that I just assumed if anyone walked in a Victoria's Secret show, they were considered a Victoria's Secret angel. But it's more so that like you walk in the show, you usually start as like a pink model. Um, And then as you become more of a veteran to the brand um, and become more intertwined with the brand, that is when they start putting you in the more extravagant wings and you then become like a Victoria's Secret angel. And so not only is it competitive to become a model within the show, but then they kind of created this system where it was even more competitive to then become an angel. Now, just to give you a glimpse of how this fantasy was and what I think Victoria's Secret should continue to lean into, but I think they're moving away from it, but that in 2000, Giselle walked down the Victoria's Secret runway in a $15 million fantasy bra. So again, this show was not even any more about selling the clothing, and I don't even think it had to be. Like, no one was going to go into a, you know, Sally Joe from Wisconsin, as we always love saying, shout out Sally Joe. She's not going to go into a mall in Wisconsin and buy a $15 million bra. That wasn't really the intention. It wasn't even to necessarily sell the product. This is such a great example that the entire point of the Victoria's Secret fashion show was to be like, we are the coveted fantasy. We are something that you cannot even attain if you wanted to. That was what like set them apart. Maybe it was also their downfall. But again, I think people think that like the shows are meant to sell a product. But oftentimes the shows are just a spectacle um, to sell the brand. They don't think that anyone's going to go in and actually buy the things that they're putting out there. Now, 2015 is when we start to see the rise of more inclusive brands like Aerie. In fact, I was in high school and Aerie came around. Um, or sorry, I think I might have been early college, but I remember how I felt when I saw the Airy brand start selling bralettes and they really leaned into this like untouched photo, unphotoshopped photo. I remember there was a model, I think her name's Iskra Lawrence, and I was so, it was the first time I saw someone that like kind of looked like me and I have been an Airy girl ever since because of that. Um, and I think that this was like really where the disconnect with Victoria's Secret and the newer audiences was coming around. I think the reason Victoria's Secret really held such a stronghold on the industry in the early 2000s was because it was before, obviously you had the internet, but it was before there were hundreds and thousands of influencers becoming famous every day with different bodies, different, you know, beauty standards, different, like they the internet really democratized beauty in a way that the industry profited from only allowing a few types of people to be beautiful. So anyways, they having these untouched models was really like unheard of for American retailers. And I think that Victoria's Secret could have leaned into this even with like their pink line, but they really failed to adjust. Um, And at the time too, like the market was moving towards more bralettes, lighter coverage, 
and Victoria's Secret still continued to sell these like padded miracle bras, which weren't really based in comfort. I think women are really like now we've come to a point where comfort is so important because like men get to be comfortable. Like men have a million pockets and everything's about like their comfort and and their convenience. Whereas women, it's about how painful can you feel in order to be beautiful. Now, um, this is where it really started to hurt for Victoria's Secret. In 2018, Ed Razik made a comment during an interview with Vogue that transgender and plus size models should not be featured in the show because the show is fantasy, essentially saying like they can't sell a fantasy. Now, I feel like this was the moment that they really, really took a hit. And then I don't know if you guys remember like love her or hate her, but Nikita Dragon put out, I remember it was in like November and Nikita Dragon put out this Instagram video of her in lingerie in these huge wings. And she said something like, oh, transgender girls can't sell fantasy question mark. That video went so crazy viral on the internet. And it really was this moment where it was like Victoria's Secret is so out of touch. The fact that like a YouTuber was able to really put the last nail in the coffin again just shows how democratized the internet had become um, and Victoria's Secret wasn't willing to play the game anymore and wasn't willing to be inclusive. Um, so their last show was in 2019. Um, the viewership of that show was 3.3 million and for comparison just two years before the show was bringing in like 6.7 million. Okay, now before I get into like what's coming up for their new show, I want to talk about specifically there was um, a video that I watched when doing research from 60 Minutes Australia. Now, there's something about like journalism in Australia that they go for the freaking throat. They are, I think it's like their culture, like they don't really idolize celebrities the way that Americans do. They don't like put people on a pedestal again America is like this capitalism like if someone is as successful as Jeff Bezos then they're like untouchable but Australians of course they have capitalism etc but I think that they don't you can tell in their media that they don't like tiptoe around people they don't idolize them um and so time and time again journalists from Australia have the best interviews like cut to the freaking throat and it, I could do a whole deep dive on like 60 Minutes Australia. They've broken so many stories. Anyways, they had a Victoria's Secret model on um, 60 Minutes Australia. Her name was Bridget Malcolm. She used to be a Victoria's Secret model and walked on the runway. She was scouted when she was on the streets of Perth at age 14. She said that she was told that she needed to do more cocaine and have more sex in order to lose weight and that she needed to start losing weight at age 15 is what she was told. Trigger warning here, eating disorder, of course, like I, I have close family that struggled with it, so it's sensitive to me too, um, but just to give you guys context, that um, the longest she went without eating was three days, and she passed out, she couldn't function or move, and that she was mad at herself that she couldn't go five days, but she said that what was such a mind F was that like, this is when she was the most successful and like booked for the most shows. Now... One employee who wasn't even a model but just worked at Victoria's Secret told 60 Minutes Australia that she was on the set one day and they had like this food catering area and that she went to go back for like seconds 
And the chief marketing officer, Ed Rasnick, stepped in front of her and he said, are you really going to get more food? Do you really need more bread? And then he continued to ask her, how are you okay with how you look right now? How do you look at yourself in the mirror every single day and feel okay with that? Mind you, this girl also wasn't a model. Not that models should be talked to that way either. They're humans. I feel like everyone kind of has this weird like chip on their shoulder sometimes against models. I think that they actually get it like the worst in the industry. But also this girl wasn't even a model. She was just an employee and was being told that. So if he felt comfortable talking to like just an employee that way about her image, imagine how he was talking to the girls that were vying for a position. Now the model Bridget Malcolm said that she was dropped from Victoria's Secrets when she added half an inch to her waist. Now, okay, so this is where I feel like Victoria's Secret is having such an identity crisis right now. They have an upcoming show, which is, first of all, so confusing. And even when I looked at, like, I tried, when I was trying to do research for this podcast, I went onto YouTube to, like, watch the videos they've put out to promote it to try and get a better understanding of what exactly it is. And one of their promotional videos has 100K, which is good. But like, could you imagine how much, how many views Victoria's Secrets was getting in like the 2010s? Um, they would have gotten, in a, they would have gotten 100K views in an hour. Um, and then another promotional video that they put out only has 42,000 views. So again, I think one, either people just don't know the show is about to happen or two, maybe people just don't care. So they have this show. It hasn't come out yet. And it's called The World Tour. And it features like accumulation of videos that were filmed in Tokyo, London, Bogota, and Lagos. And they held a pink carpet event for, I guess, like the premiere of the show on September 6th. And why they did a pink carpet so far in advance is so confusing to me. They should have had the pink carpet show like the day that it premiered because that would have been when people were Googling it and excited. Like people have already forgotten, I feel like, about the pink carpet and we're still two weeks out. They had celebrities like Emrata, Alex Earl, Gigi Hadid, and Julia Fox, Naomi Campbell. They had a, a good amount of celebrities there. Uh, but again, no one was really talking about it. Um, and when I shared about it in my Discord, I had some great commentary where people said it looks like all of them were dressed for completely different events, which is so true. Like, I couldn't, if I had no other context, I'd look at that and be like, this is just like a Fashion Nova, like, like launch, maybe? I don't know. It was, it just felt watered down. Even had Doja Cat, who's like one of the musical artists, she even attended and then went on her Instagram stories and now deleted post and was like, said she was in her Karen era and was criticizing how uncomfortable the leotard that they gave her to wear was. So you guys, imagine that you're a brand that's like selling lingerie and the person who's getting paid to wear it and sing at your show is like the headlining act is publicly talking about how uncomfortable the item was. It has to be really bad for like the person who's getting paid to promote it to even say that they're in their Karen era over it. The Cut put out an article titled The Victoria's Secret World Tour Could Have Been an Email, which was kind of funny. Um, also, they, 
I saw a photo online of like the inside of the theater where they had all of these um, models and celebrities like corralled watching the show. And it looks like a middle school dance recital. Like compare it to the shows that people used to go to in the 2010s when they had the models walking. It was like an actual runway and like people were seated and it was always this huge event. And this picture shows them all in like a crowded theater. It's like looking up at like a projected monitor. And then they have like Gigi Hadid and some of the models in these like awkward balconies that look empty. Like they're looking over the people in the crowd. It was so bizarre. Just compare it to like what Victoria's Secret used to be. Just feels like it was such a mishandling of the promotion. Again, their trailer on YouTube called It's Almost Here only has 42,000 views. Now, I do think that they did a cool campaign. So they had models like Julia Fox and Lila Moss walk around New York City in these like Victoria's Secret Angel wings. But the the photos looked cool, but I think there could have been more here. It almost looked like maybe they did um, a photo shoot that was made to look like they were on the streets of New York. Like you see Julia Fox holding a big gulp. And then it almost looks like maybe they photoshopped the wings onto them after the fact. But it would have been such a cool marketing campaign, like a guerrilla marketing campaign, if they sent these models like Julia Fox, Lila Moss, um, you know, the people that they really want to like make the face of the brand now. If they sent them into New York with no other context, but they were all wearing these like elaborate, beautiful wings and just going about their day, like no big deal, just happened to be wearing these wings. There would have been so many people posting videos on TikTok and online. Like, why did I just see Julia Fox walk by me with these like chrome wings? That would go viral. And oftentimes the best marketing campaigns leave more questions than answers. And as those Google searches start to trend, then the show comes out that same week. They should have done that. I feel like this was a good idea, but like the execution, again, I think Victoria's Secret just feels a little too corporate and removed from what the people actually want. And um, I think that they should have had, again, like a live show because that's what it was so good at was like the Victoria's Secret day was coming up and maybe they recorded the show like a few hours before it came out or even a few days before. I'm not sure. But whenever the Victoria's Secret show would come out, it was this huge event. I remember people would like tune in. It was almost like the Super Bowl, but for fashion shows. But now it just feels so removed that they filmed it like months in advance, maybe even a year in advance at different locations. It's just like not what it used to be. I think what made it so exciting was that everyone was at one place at one time. So anyways, I also think that like they should lean into the show that they used to do because no one told them to get rid of the Victoria's Secret fashion show. They just wanted it to be more inclusive. And I think that it almost hurt their image more that they were like, fine, if you guys don't want super skinny models on the runway, we're just not going to do it anymore. Like that almost made them look worse than if they were just like, oh, okay, like here's a valid criticism. Let's come back and let's be more inclusive. Let's sell the fantasy. But it kind of made them look a little bit almost like bratty that they were like, okay, then we're just not going to do it. We're just not going to do it. If that's really, if you guys don't want us to put out like one type of person, you're not going to get anything. Like again, 
they didn't have to fix what wasn't broken. They just had to make it more inclusive. Anyways, they also got some uh, critique that the show looks very similar to what Fenty was doing with Rihanna. Um, like those archways and the models in the archways, which looked a little too eerily close to like what Fenty did, which I don't know why they did that. I they There's so many cool ways they could have like had the models come out. Again, like my whenever I talk about marketing or I'm, I'm consulting or advising people, I always tell them, if you want people to follow you, if you want to have an impact, it feels counterintuitive, but you can't do what everyone else is doing. You can't follow the trends. People will only follow you if you're giving them something that they cannot find anywhere else, right? So they're kind of just giving people a show that they already saw with Fenty a couple years ago, if that's what it's going to be. So like, why would people tune in if they already saw the Fenty version, right? And one other uh, campaign that I feel like they could do to really sell the show is they should work with two. I've been obsessed with two girl. If you guys couldn't tell, I made a video on her, um, Sabrina Bassoon. And she's the one who's like filming herself on the London tube. And it's just so confident. And I feel like they should have her do a campaign where she has wings and she's um, doing her video. And then they could also have the models like Julia Fox, Lila Moss, and them go back onto like a New York subway with wings and film a similar video. Like that would be so iconic and it would lean into like what's happening online right now. And again, they don't even have to answer like why this is happening. They can just have Julia Fox in a subway with her wings doing a tube girl style video and then in the caption just put like September 26, just like an ominous date for when the show comes out and then don't answer any other questions. That is where the curiosity comes in. If you kill the cat immediately, no one's going to tune in. And now before I kind of wrap things up, I also just want to touch on one other thing, which was that the... Um, I feel like it wouldn't be true to the whole story if I didn't mention one other nail in the coffin that I feel like really Victoria's Secret has struggled to recover from which was the, and it just shows the power of the internet. It was when the artist Jax put out a song called Victoria's Secret. Now Jax is an American Idol alumni and she skyrocketed to fame when she put out the song Victoria's Secret. It's like, I'm a Victoria's Secret. She's an old man that lives in Ohio. You guys know the song. And it was inspired when she was babysitting a young girl who expressed insecurity in how her body looked. Now, the lyric video just for this has 13 million views. That could be killer to a brand, even a big brand like Victoria's Secret. And as a result, the Victoria's Secret CEO, Amy Hawk, wrote a letter to Jax um, in which Jax shared about it in a TikTok. But I really admire the way that Jax held her ground because it would be scary to have a big brand coming after you or even just like acknowledging what happened. Now, she said that it was never her intention to take down a brand, but that she only sings about her truth and her experiences, which is so awesome for her. Like, I love that she stood in her truth and was like, this was not a money grab. Like this song, I'm sure again, even the biggest artists can't always predict like what song's going to go viral. But she was kind of like, you know what? This was my truth. And she told viewers that like her comments were a safe space to finally let the brand know how it made them feel all these years. That is so powerful. So I, I do think that that Jack's Victoria's Secret song 
kind of will be this like dark cloud over Victoria's Secret for a long time. And again, my thing is like, if Victoria's Secret really wants to come back, go back to the shoot to the shows that they were already doing that were pretty awesome, but just make them inclusive. So that was the episode today. Um, it was a little shorter because I didn't have Nikki to like bounce back and forth with, but I'm just glad that we got one out for you guys. I'm going to be posting an episode on my podcast as well, Ahead of the Curve with Kokomoko. Um, I just want to talk about kind of like why I feel like the VMAs aren't the same anymore. So I'd love, you know, if you guys have any opinions on that, you can go watch that video as well, which goes up Sunday or the podcast Monday and leave your comments and thoughts. You know, in the comments, what you guys think about Victoria's Secret. Are you going to tune into the show? Um, Do you guys think that they can make a comeback? Do you feel like no one's really talking about it? Because I also just feel like no one really even knows that it's happening. Um, It was kind of like a, for how many influencers and celebrities they had on the pink carpet, there should have been more buzz and there wasn't. Also have competitors now like Fenty and Skims and Aerie just coming for them and I think they feel the heat. So yeah, let me know what you guys think and we'll have fun discussions in the comments below. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you're listening on podcasts, if you give us a rating, Even if you give us one, if you give us five, of course, we love five-star ratings, but that helps us move up in the charts. So thank you guys so much, and I will see you guys in the next episode.